What is up, everyone? Social on the Sidelines, Episode 3. Your boy, Shabazz Khan, Senior Manager of Digital Content for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. I said that real quick this time. I'm tired <laughs> of saying it. With my co-host, Amara Baptist, Social Media Manager for the Memphis Grizzlies. Whoop, whoop. I can't. I'm out here sounding like Twista. For all those folks <laughs> who remember Twista, yeah, your boy can throw down a freestyle. Anyway, let's get into it, Amara. Um, we had a very special guest on this week's episode. Introduce the guest to the people. Yeah, this week we have Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN. Uh, one of my girls, super excited to have her on. She told kind of her path, which um, definitely provided a different insight. It's not a, you know, I didn't know she started in social media, which I learned something new that? too. Right? So um, yeah, it was a super fun conversation and it was exciting to have her. For sure. I I think, as you alluded to, there's there's a ton of insight for folks whether they're looking to learn more about social on this podcast or just about sports in general, um, she has a very unique path and she's seen the industry grow from where it was when she first started in sports to where it is now and how social has kind of helped that uh, continue to grow. So we'll get into that, but Amar and I have lots to talk about because as you guys might know, there's been a little bit of a delay on this episode because <laughs> your boy's in the playoffs. So, you know, it's got to do it's it, but it got delayed because of so and we have a ton to get off our chest and to talk about so amara i know you are itching to tell so, a few stories um and so let's let's talk about some season highlights and i think i don't know if this is a highlight but i know you want to talk about it let's talk about something <laughs> that went down on a road trip recently yeah so the i don't know have you ever stayed at the skirvin in oklahoma city i have unfortunately Okay, so it is just the scariest place probably in the history of the universe. And stayed there last year and had a pretty creepy experience. Um, and I just really didn't want to go back. But um, we had our last game of the year in Oklahoma. And um, it is just such a creepy place. And during like at like 11 p.m., um, I started hearing like doorbell sounds and like this baby crying, but there's no Stop. doorbell. I swear, Stop I swear, it. I swear to you, I have witnesses. Ma'am, I'm going to end recording this podcast. I swear to you. My house after <laughs> story. I promise. Like, Stop playing. I, no, I'm not. Have you ever Googled it? Yes. Look, and, so, pe uh, oh, tell the story. People, all right, so... Yeah, you you're acting as if I have a story to tell, but I'm scared. No, even do you know the the story? Yeah, yeah. yeah, her name's like Millie or something, right? It's Effie. Don't disrespect oh. my girl Effie. See, that sounds like a straight up <laughs> horror name right there. Effie. Yes. Whose name is Effie? Don't disrespect okay. her. You're right. I'm. Dang, I'm looking around. I'm low key scared right now. <laughs> I'm in my room alone. I just got back from this road trip. I'm scared. Um. So Effie, man, we're out here talking about Effie right now. I'm shook. <laughs> this podcast took a turn from social to ghost. We got everything on Scary here. Scary on the sidelines. Let's go. Stop. <laughs> Stop. That's a fire mixtape name. So anyway, so the story for people who don't know is that Effie, I believe, um, she like committed suicide. Is that right? She this did. Is Okay, and so ever since this has happened, way back in the day, this hotel has been haunted by Effie's presence. And if you look it up, Skirvin Hotel, NBA or MLB players, they have all... Tim Duncan literally did not want to stay there, and I don't think he did because he knows and has seen that it was haunted. Karan Butler, before he was a member of the Thunder, admitted that the hotel is haunted. And DeMarcus Cousins, when we were at this hotel back in the day, he did not want to stay there. And I have plenty of stories to tell. But first and foremost, they have creepy paintings everywhere. Yeah. It's the freakiest thing ever. And then on top of that, you can hear faucets drip. Oh, yeah. And they're not on. I it Okay, this didn't happen to me in Oklahoma City, but I swear, I swear to you. I was in Milwaukee at the oh, Fister Feister Hotel. Too. It's also haunted. And here's here's what had happened. I swear. Ask, ask Ben McLemore. Ben was with me. Okay, so Ben, we got to this place, and there's, like, one part of the hotel that's super old and one that's, like, 
kind of remodeled. So if you stay in the old part, like it's over for you, right? Like <laughs> it's, it just don't go to sleep that night. So I was in the older part and I swear to you, my faucet turned on, the TV turned on when it was unplugged. Yeah, I no, unplugged fam. the TV. Nah. I unplugged the TV. Anyway. I'm going to ask oh, Ben man. about that, by the way. Ask that ben. is terrifying. So the, the creepiest part to me about this, what I heard, so a part of the story is she also had an infant that she also committed suicide with. So the baby Why? crying, Why? the baby crying, like really just sent me over the edge and there were no women on this road trip. <laughs> Seriously <that>. though. <laughs> um, there was no women on this road trip. So I was like, well, this is it. Uh, the, a game 82, your girl's not going to make, she's not going to make out of this hotel, but we did it. We out here. We out here. We out here. Episode three, playoffs, <laughs> scary stories, F.E. <laughs> I'm shook right now. Shout out to everyone who just listened to four months, four minutes of us talking about a haunted experience. When they I think, came it's, for social I think media. it's compelling. I, you know, we could put a, we could make a movie out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what else do we have to talk about that is related to this podcast? <laughs> well, now that I am scared, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tons of stuff to talk about. So. I want to start by talking about recently, um, I just hired a social media coordinator, mm -hmm. shout out Taylor, who just started, um, but I had over 600 applicants in three days, three days, wow. 600 applicants, and I closed the application just because it was way too overwhelming, and I decided to go through the applications myself, but I think that's a testament to the amount of interest there is in these positions. And I want to talk about, because I'm sure folks are interested, how to stick out amongst the crowd when there's so many people involved. I think it's very valuable to still do it and put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. While I also think it's extremely necessary to do something that makes you stick out amongst 600 resumes and cover letters. Because at the end of it, you got to think from the folks that are hiring, when it's just you know the standard resume experience whatever else it may be that's great and i always take into account experience i always take into account cover letters mm -hmm. but really i want to be wowed off my screen right mm -hmm. so want to get your opinion on you know in, in your hiring and whatever else within the nba what do you think are the most essential parts to being able to stick out when there's so many other folks trying to do what you're doing yeah, it's tough because, you know, there's only so many ways you can make your resume literally stand out. You know, visually, you don't want to be too over the top. But aside from experience, I think a really strong cover letter that kind of highlights your personality and shows something different rather than just, I am good at this. I am good at this. This, You know, I think some having some flair in that sense. And also, uh, like we talked about um when you have the best guest of the history of this podcast, a.k.a. me. <laughs> Stop. Effie, um, come get her, Sam. Get I'm her. just kidding. Um, uh, we talked about, like, kind of doing your research on organization and the, the people that you're um, trying to talk to. So if you, like, for example, if I was applying to Timberwolves, like I would probably seek your name out, look you up on LinkedIn and, you know, maybe send a note or, you know, get your email and say, you know, make it personal so that you're like, okay, this person's going the extra step and not just submitting online. And, you know, that's it. I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. No, I, I think that's a huge part. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in this instance that folks tried to do that, but didn't go about it correctly. They actually, um, in their cover letter, they addressed their cover letter to somebody that used to work there years ago. Mm. And so that, you know, that's kind of a red flag. Um, it's not to say that I, you know, we're throwing everything out automatically, but obviously that's not ideal. Um, and I think especially <clears throat> with so much competition, it's, it's going the extra step, like you said, but then even taking it to the nth degree. So, um, if you're applying for a social media job, put together a private Twitter account. Show folks what you would do in a game like Ooh. game night scenario. You know, right? Like uh, one of the things that I did, and by no means is there only one way to go about, but I think it goes a long way. And I've seen folks do it after the fact. Um, you know, when I was applying to the Kings, 
I made a private Twitter account and tweeted a game. Um, folks, I've seen a lot do that similarly, and it goes a long way when you're willing to take the extra step, put some extra graphics together, show your skill set, right? Like, it's one thing to convey your resume and experience in compelling ways over text, and it's great. It shows that you're able to, you know, use um, text in a very ideal way, but I also want to see your hands-on skills when it comes to graphics, when it comes to video, um, when it just comes to social itself. So, oh, yeah. That's I, I really... a lot of different ways, too. That's really good. Didn't even think about Thanks. that. Ah. Thanks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so want to talk about how to make social or how to make your social department an increasingly bigger part of an organization and its plans. Uh, because I think Chad talked about it before, and obviously there's been huge strides made uh, across sports compare, comparatively to where it was back in like 2010, 2011. But now, you know, we both believe that social and, and digital is at the forefront of every or organization's persona. And, and where people are going to, to to learn about organizations and engage with them. So how what do you think are the best ways when you're communicating with executives, departments? Like what what do you tell and what do you need what do you think people need to do to be in those situations where we can um continually grow and um you know become these huge parts of organizations that we know we should be? Um I think something that's really helped at the Grizzlies uh is being involved, like you said, like being involved with different departments, whether that's like meeting every week with sponsorships or, you know, talking to people in charge of in-arena content to see what, you know, what's on the schedule that we can put online. And, and then once you start to do that and you show them the value um, of social media, it, I think it really opens people's eyes. Like, you know, especially with our in-arena team, they do such great stuff. and. For, for me to be able to get that out there and for them to see their work on a bigger scale, um, I think that's just, you know, they'll be your biggest proponent, you know, after that. And um, that's just really helped um, on our side, just being visible and being available and being uh, in the creative process with all the different departments. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I don't want to make it seem like organizations don't have social at the front of their mind I, I can say for myself the Timberwolves and Lynx you know we're definitely among that upper echelon of what departments are, are being thought about I, I do think um, in order to, to get there you know it's taken a lot of proving our value and I think that's essentially what it comes down to yeah um, social itself you know it's for us it makes sense um, and I think for a lot of external um, influences what it comes down to is how we prove our value and the more we go about it um you know the way that we go about proving our value will decide how organizations um you know adjust budgets um add folks to our departments etc and so the better job that we do in communicating whether it's a monetary aspect or it's uh you know an engagements aspect or a pr um, because essentially, you know, we talked about this before, but our position is wide ranging and encompasses everything from PR to marketing, to photography, to sales, mm -hmm. tickets, all of these things. And the way that we go about not only creating the content that leads to these things, but conveying why it should matter to everyone in an organization and outside of an organization, mm -hmm. it will mean a lot. Yeah. And I think too, you know, for, for us in Memphis, like community is so important. So, I mean, any community event that I can go to, I'll be at. And I think that too, just shows like a different side of our team. And that's been really helpful. Um, and also like our players like it, they like, you know, helping people. And I, I think they would, I, I know they would do it if I wasn't there, obviously, but like, I think just to, to have memories for them too is just it's even better so i would just say like be everywhere at all times and uh, be available to do anything for sure so what i also hit on you know i've been i've been talked to by a few different folks who 
would ask for advice when it came to creating a campaign or creating social content around a certain moment, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to get into your thought process on, let's say, coming up, uh, you know, the NFL just had their schedule release, and we're going to have ours sometime in the summer Mm -hmm. or summer league or whatever else it may be. What are the aspects, you know, like maybe like five, three to five things that you think are essential for when we're thinking about creating social campaigns? Like what do we need to get across? Um, and, and what are essential parts of every social campaign? Oh, man. My brain is like, <laughs> let me think of a good answer. Um, I think the more collaboration you can do, the better. I think sometimes like, at least I speak for myself, I kind of get into a bubble and you kind of, you have your ideas, but there's also a time when you get kind of um, like flat after the season ends. It's just a lot of stuff. So I think the more people you ask for input, um, who knows who can have an amazing idea. I think just collaboration's a big uh, part of that. And then obviously like, what are you trying to do? I saw um, a couple really creative, NFL release schedules and you could tell it took a lot of work I think the um the Texans were it was really good um so what are you trying to get across and then oh boy the third I don't know my brain is fried <laughs> no I I think you're hitting on a really good point is and again all of these things are intertwining right like collaboration is essential to getting social to be at the front of organizations minds and also to create some really cool and compelling content because while we are the ones um you know at the forefront of of hitting send on these things and creating the campaigns behind them the more minds that we get involved uh the better opportunity we have to create some really cool stuff so absolutely i'm a huge proponent for that um i'm a huge proponent for making sure that we're doing things that add value and just not for the sake of doing them. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times um, folks will want to do something for the sake of, you know, uh, a meme just came out and we want to hop on it. It doesn't make sense. You know, we try not to do that. And I thought that was a great thing that we did in Sacramento. If it didn't make sense, um, you know, there's tons of memes out there all the time. Right. And we wanted to be among the first to do it but if we weren't doing it well and if it didn't make sense for us to hop into a conversation we try to avoid that and i think in all of these scenarios especially when we come when it comes to huge campaigns and you're trying to strategize around one certain topic or idea um, we got to be mindful of how we're integrating different things and what we're doing and making sure that they make sense because while we also while we're being collaborative you know there's going to be a lot of folks that want different aspects of uh an idea heard and sometimes that it's our job to say yes or no to those things yeah and you know it comes down to us hitting yes or saying no and if we're saying yes to everything we're gonna make some pretty bad content sometimes yeah so just being mindful of that i think that point that you made about like the fomo um feeling with like, yep. you know, trends or whatever. That's so true because I've, I've tried to do the same in Memphis, you know, like if it's, if I can't think of anything that relates to, if I have to think too hard about it, it's probably you're trying too hard. Like that's kind of been my like, you know, motto, I guess. Um, but, right. and memes die so fast. <laughs> I mean, you could like another one will pop up and you're still trying to think about this. You know, it's, it's, Definitely a FOMO feeling. For sure. Okay, so last one. What do people need to do to grow in social? Yeah, I think it goes for any job, but especially in social, since you have such tangible numbers, I would say write down, like, exactly what you've done, like, how you've helped build platforms. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you have to fight for yourself, and you have to fight for what you're doing. And you know, by having like numbers that are saying, I did this and there's proof and there's, it's right there. I think that's really, really important to have, uh, to, to know, even if it's just for yourself, 
to know like what you've accomplished in your roles. Oh, absolutely. The the best thing that I would say I've ever done um is keep a running list of the accomplishments that our teams have made, you know, at different organizations um that I've been on. So when I started out as an intern at an ad agency, you know, I wrote down the amount of average engagements, I wrote down the number of followers, I wrote down how we changed in those respects. Mm-hmm. And especially in the NBA, when you have the opportunity to, you know, uh, share your social voice and presence and ideas with some of the most hardcore fans in the world um, and build these communities that are filled with, you know, really excited folks, the more that we're able to put the proof in the pudding in terms of, okay, we put this strategy in place to reach this demographic demographic of people and this is how many folks are on our social channels now engaging with our content like that goes a long way and like you said when we're able to provide and and show value um from an actual numerical standpoint that's going to go a long way with folks and of course there's other aspects to it. you know like you said the collaboration the willingness to hear other ideas your managerial style how you work as a leader those all are important aspects for, for growing in any job, but especially in social, we have the added advantage of um, being having numbers accessible to us and the way that we use those and the way that we can speculate to use them. Because I think the one thing that folks, um, especially coming into the industry, I think should have a step up on and the way that things are going is um, proposing value, right? So it's one thing to have the numbers for stuff that we've done, but another thing to say, if we do this, you know, here's an estimated proposed value for how we could benefit from this from either a follower standpoint, a sponsorship revenue standpoint, um, you know, Twitter amplify standpoint. We have mm-hmm. so many opportunities now that we can really take things to the next step. And again, like we were talking about when people are applying to these positions, um, the more you do to kind of take that next step, even when you're in it, it'll go a long way. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we've taken far too much time before getting into <laughs> this uh, Cassidy interview, but hopefully people enjoyed our Effie stories and <laughs> our everything else in between. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. We are joined today by a very special guest, Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN and Buckets, the podcast with Worldwide Wob, known on Twitter. Cassidy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, this is great. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having my, me on. And uh, Amara, you, you know, you're my, you're my, my family. So I, I haven't talked to you at all. I haven't done any Grizzlies game this year. So I'm really mad. So I'm glad I'm able to have this conversation with you. What's going on, guys? Just wanted to hop on and uh, I guess get started with kind of talking about your journey into into your role right now, like where you started off at and how you got there, the the steps along the way that you took. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, well, I kind of always knew I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. That was like in middle school. Um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of clearly remember it. I, you know, it was when I was watching like um, the Sunday uh, morning pregame show on Fox for the NFL and I remember seeing Pam Oliver um you know interviewing players and doing these features for um uh, you know their pregame show and I just I, I just remember having this vivid memory of thinking like and deciding at that moment like that's what I want to do I want to you know um I, I love sports and I want to be able to tell stories of uh, different athletes and different teams and um I kind of just had my mind set on that from that point forward and so throughout high school I got involved in like a radio television film club and you know called games um for you know during high school for our college I mean for our men's uh, basketball team and our soccer team and then you know in trying to pick schools I knew I wanted to study broadcast journalism and then from there I you know I was I graduated uh Northwestern at a really interesting time where um you know social media was blowing up I you know Twitter launched practically the year that I uh graduated from college and so um 
you know, getting kind of an understanding of social media in that regard. And then my first job out of college was for this uh, sports production company in Chicago called Intersport. And I was hired as a PA to create original content for Sprint mobile phones. And we're talking about flip phones, you know, on-demand content before internet was like readily available. So it was like, it was kind of interesting because it was like Netflix on your, for your phone for just like quick short minute video, three minute videos that you could just, you know, if you're, if you're scrolling through your phone, um, pop up and watch. So that only lasted a couple of years to sprint, you know, lost a bunch of money when the, um, market crashed, but, um, it, it was a really interesting time because it, it was, it was like the start of people being consumed with their phones. And then from there, I got a job, actually. Um, my first like, big break was um, covering SEC football for um, this show called SEC Gridiron Live, and I was hired as like a social media reporter. So a big part of like my early career was shaped um, by social media and digital media. So, um, you know, I, I think it, a lot of this business is about timing and understanding uh, the time that you're in, because, um, you know, so much of this business can just changes, um, you know, like on a day to day basis, it feels like because technology changes so quickly. For sure. Um, that's awesome that you started off. I didn't know that. That's mm -hmm. amazing. No, it was just because no, I'm not my first. I mean, it can, it can carry throughout my whole career because then at ESPN, I was hired, the first time I was hired, I was, I was hired as an ESPN3, which is a digital, which was our digital network. So like, as I was saying, you know, digital and social media has really just defined my career um, and has allowed me to like grow with our industry is what all I wanted to say. That's awesome. What are some of the challenges that you faced uh, throughout your career in the industry? Oh, I mean, there's so many, uh, but I like, yeah, you know, challenges. There's so many <laughs> different definitions of like what a challenge is. Um, you know, I mean, if we're going to stay on the same topic, I mean, I think it's just is making sure that I was um, understanding the landscape of uh, of media and and trying to grow with it and continuing to be relevant and finding my own voice in, um, you know, an industry that was giving voices to so many more people than, um, uh, quote unquote, traditional media. So I, like, I, I, it was a challenge, but I think it was, you know, it's what helped me um, kind of define, you know, my early career was because it helped me kind of understand myself a little bit better and who I wanted to be on air and who I, you know, like what I was passionate about when it came to sports media. So, you know, I, I, I guess like early on at ESPN was, um, you know, having patience. Um, I always am told and, you know, early on in my career, it's just like, Hey, just, you just need rest. You just need rest. And when you're, you know, when you're hungry and you you see all the success around you, you know, it's it's hard for people to for people to sometimes just chill and be appreciative in the moment that they are. And I think that was like a, a challenge for me early on is that you know to continue to have that hunger, but not um, get this have it distract me from um, being present in you know uh, my current situation, having that help me grow. So. Um, you know, ESPN is a is a, a huge <laughs> company, and um, it gave me a lot of opportunity, and still does, uh, to grow and to learn and to um, have access to, you know, ways to to you know discover myself and reinvent myself and um, be a better professional. So, you know, I guess it, a big challenge early on in anyone's career is just to have patience. Um, and, and perspective that, um, you know, it's, it's just about working hard and, and with, the, with what you're given at the moment. And yeah, that's all that matters. For sure. Just wanted to build off that. Got a, got a couple of things for you. But, mm -hmm. you know, you spoke to kind of having a support system and, and having folks around you. One of the challenges, and I think now it's as relevant as ever with, you know, the talk with LeBron talking about a female head coach. How 
how much improvement do you think there's been made since you got into the industry in terms of having female representation and more diversity in the sports field? And also, where do you think there's more improvement to be made? I mean, I think there's always improvement to be made. I mean, if we've, in anything, like if we've, you know, reached the peak, like, then what are we all doing, you know? Um, I, sure. I, I, I actually did a panel with, um, you know, speaking of Pam Oliver, Pam Oliver and Rachel Nichols and Chris, Christine Brennan, like, um, a couple of years ago. And it was, it was pretty, uh, I had to like pinch myself to be on a panel with those women because they were, pi- they're pioneers and, um, continue to shape, um, our business. But, you know, I, I, I was a little bit different because, you know, they, came through the ranks when there were less women. Me, like I was used to seeing women on, on co- covering sports media. Um, I mean, look at look at the NBA alone. I mean, the main front-facing people at ESPN are women. You know, Beatle hosts Countdown. Rachel hosts our daily NBA show. I mean, the GOAT is Doris Burke. Like, arguably, yep. like... Shout out Drake. Most, Shout out yeah. Drake. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I mean, he beelined right to DB. It was so, I mean, I watched the whole thing. He saw her, he even posted on his uh, Instagram story and he was like, I'm going right to DB. Um, I love it. No, but she, I mean, she, I mean, look, she, she is as cool as you may think she is. She's 10 times cooler than that. She is <laughs> amazing. Cool. And I get to do, I mean, I'm so, um, hashtag blessed <laughs> that I get to do like <laughs> game like I get a lot of games with her um I like she I'm probably going to be working playoffs with her that's my team like, more so than any other team I get to work with her and Dave Pash so to be able to have access to um you know this incredible not only incredible um reporter, uh, analyst, uh, journalist, um, like Doris, but she's just, just a wonderful human being. And so, um, you know, that's been like one of the greatest gifts of, of, um, you know, this, this journey for me doing sidelines, which is very new for me still. So, um, anyways, I'm on a tangent, but, uh, so what I was saying is that like, there's all there's like even within the NBA, it's just like so many women are representing um this 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 sport. And so, you know, like I will say that we should have more women, but I, I like I am proud of like the representation of, of the strong, respected women. It's not just, you know, like Rachel Nichols is one of like the top ten like media members in all of sports. Um and Beatles is one of the most, like, she's one of the top 10 entertainers in all sports. So it's just like, I just think it's an incredible time um, for women in sports broadcasting. I, you know, I, I do still think that women um, get harsher criticism than men. Um, but I will, I will also say that, like, because we're women, sometimes we get opportunities over men. So, um, you know, like... You know, I, I say like I've had opportunities and, and experiences where like I'm noticed more, but I'm noticed more. So it's like I, I think sometimes I, I I may stand out in a in a position because I'm a woman or given a, a given a role because they are because it's casting almost because um, we are doing entertainment and there is a form of casting. Um, to, to our job as much as there is, you know, um, the journalism aspect to it. Um, and, and, but at the same time, it's like the magnifying glass, uh, on us and any little mistake we make, or even, even, even body language, you know, if I, like, if I'm doing an interview, like, no, if, if I'm too close to a player, I mean, that like someone may see that or notice it or, you know, criticize it where that's not the case if like Israel Gutierrez is doing that. I mean, you know, that's something that like I have to, like I shouldn't think about. I should just do what's comfortable to me, but I have to be cognizant of. But that's just, that's just kind of life. For sure. For sure. I think the one thing that we can all agree on is that, is that the NBA is really, uh, really good at kind of inclusion and diversity. Um, and I, I think your story is just a testament to how great the NBA is at, at being kind of at the forefront 
of including, uh, you know, as many folks as possible. But Amara, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Sure. No, no, you're good. Um, kind of going back to, you know, being mentored by Doris, how important to you? I mean, I've known you for how many years now? Like quite a bit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. And you've always been super helpful. If I have any questions, you know, trying to get into this industry, just getting advice. And that to me is super valuable. How important is having like a girl gang, like a girl support system? Um, I just feel like that's an underrated part of this world. Yeah. I mean, we have to support each other. It is, uh, there's just so much, um, there's so many challenges uh, in life and, and not just for women, but what we can't do is work against each other. And, you know, I, and it's not just Doris, like I, you know, I, this is just my second year full time on the sidelines, but um, the, our, like my sideline um, sisters that, you know, I've, I, we, we call each other like Leslie McCaslin at, 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 with the Thunder, Molly Sullivan with the Sixers or Allie Clifton with the Cavs or Kristen Ledlow, you know, there is this bond and, and, and embracing each other and, and showing each other support and lifting each other up because the season is a grind. And, you know, even though we're not always like in the same cities, so just to have that positive energy, um, you know, like it just only makes the league better. I mean, cause, cause we're all having fun covering the league, which only, which only, you know, promotes and prompts more fans to have to engage and and to to fall in love with this this amazing sport and this amazing league and I think it just all trickles down so you know I, I like you only live one life so if you want to be miserable and you want to be caught up in what other people are doing then you, you're not going to last long and you know like we all have tendencies to maybe have green eyes and, and um, it's a competitive business and most of us are former athletes. And so, you know, there's that competition, but like, I think just like as, as I've grown in this business, I've just learned that like, I can only control what I what I can do. And, you know, it's, and I think it, it, it has helped me to, to make sure that I'm just positive about all the people that like, you know, embracing this, this, this world, this amazing world that I'm, I'm so privileged to be a part of. Like I'm part of one of the greatest, the greatest sports league in, in the world. And um, I think just there's so many people that I can learn from and grow from and help like enrich my life. And I've seen that with a lot of the women that I work with, like, like you, Mara, you know, like I love following you on Twitter. I became a fan of yours and that sparked our friendship. Do you know Fan, I mean, like friends have developed just because I like like following them on Twitter. Like, think about that. <laughs> it's like, crazy. That is, just, that is so 2010s and above. <laughs> like, find building friendships through social media, and you know, just expanding your world. Um, uh, you know, because of uh, just appreciating people's talent, and um, yeah, I just, I, I, I just, uh, I just like to, I like to be positive. You know, like what because I don't have enough energy. This job's hard enough to, um, to to try to, you know, be anything but supportive and positive to the people who are passionate about this. For sport. sure. Absolutely. So you spoke about kind of getting into the industry uh, early on throughout the collegiate realm back in 2010. How have you seen things change? And did you ever anticipate, you know, going from there to sideline reporting and the buckets podcast, and everything else that's entailed, that's been entailed in your career since? No, I mean, look, I see as much as I've told you about, like, you know, I, I've kind of always just been someone who's like, all right, well, what's the next step? What's the next step? And like, you know, early on in my career, I was just like, all right, well, I'm doing what I'm doing, but how do I get to that? How, how do I keep going forward? Um, and so, uh, you know, and as I've been telling you guys, like I've, I've learned to just kind of like, you know, appreciate my present. Um, and so, you know, when I was in 20, when I was, when I graduated, oh, when I joined ESPN, you know, ESPN was a different beast than, you know, my journey before ESPN where I was freelancing and I was working for a bunch of different, um, I was producing and I was, uh, re reporting and I was hosting. So I was doing a bunch of different roles there. When I joined ESPN, I was hired as 
um, a host and anchor, but I was hired as, like I said, a digital media host for ESPN3. And it was ESPN3 before we launched our Watch ESPN, which is now our ESPN app, okay? So, you know, it, it's taken on a lot of different forms. And I mean, to answer your question, that's that's it. Like I've I, I've literally grown from the bottom of ESPN's like on-air talent platform, okay? Um, so I came into like on a platform that most people on the studio side didn't even realize was there. Um, and I was a, I was not even a full-time employee. So I did, I did those shows that were like taped and then they ran on a loop on ESPN three and simulcasting, watching, watching the games. So just even understanding that technology, that, um, how people were consuming sports that, you know, it was changing to people more going on the go and being able to watch on their mobile devices. And so being able to grow with that, but also trying to kind of, um, carve my way into gaining more legitimacy within ESPN with a company that, you know, is, was so, um, you know, focused on linear, uh, programming in 2010, which understandably so. I mean, look, they were, I mean, they're worldwide leaders for a reason that had been for so long because of TV and radio. So it made sense, but it took a really long time for me to prove to those people in, in ESPN that I deserve to be thought of as a, um, a legitimate host anchor um, or talent because they thought of me as a quote unquote digital talent. And I mean, I, that stigma has completely changed because as we're seeing, like more people are watching on digital than are watching on television on linear. But, you know, it's, it was just kind of like growing with this just force that's been, um, just how people consume sports media. And I, 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 in, in retrospect, I think it was actually a really, um, beneficial, um, way for me to ride. Uh, but in the, during the time being for people to just kind of like write you off because, you know, um, I wasn't, I didn't come from, you know, Nesson or come from like a traditional route. Um, I literally was a social media baby. Um, so, you know, having to kind of like earn my stripes and, and, um, gain opportunities and prove myself to a lot of people. Like I, you know, I think it's what's giving me confidence to be able to go out, you know, um, and do live TV on one of the biggest stages. So I'm, I'm very grateful for my journey at ESPN and, you know, I'm, I'm, I can truly say I'm living my dream right now. I mean, I, I, the NBA has always been what I wanted to work on. Um, it is my favorite sport. I grew up a diehard, you know, Chicago Bulls fan, grew up in the Jordan era. And, you know, to be able to like cover this league and not only like in the traditional sense of the sideline reporter, be, be in the moment, be in these arenas, talking to these players, developing these relationships, but then also give, be given a lot of opportunities to, have fun and showcase my passion for the, for the game with buckets and, um, you know, Snapchat on, um, or sports center on Snapchat and, um, you know, other podcasts I do. It's just like, it's, it's, it's really, um, a dream come true. And I'm just, I, I, like, I just feel so, um, fortunate, but I, but I also know that, you know, it was a lot of hard work. Sure. First off, let me say I am extremely, extremely happy to see your success, but I'm not going to lie. I'm real salty right now because you grew up in the Bulls era and your boy is still trying to see his first playoff berth in 15 years being a Timberwolves fan. So I'm a little bit salty. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, um, you'll be all right. You'll we'll be see, all right. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's here. It's here. It's coming. You Yo, know, I'm it's quoting coming. you. I'm quoting. No, you got Jimmy back. I yeah, you got you got the mini bowls. Yeah, you guys I, are about to take that I, I, L to us though stop. Monday. Amara, 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 I will not put this podcast out to you on Monday. I swear on God. Okay. Anyway, though, build, building off that, um, you talked a, a lot about you know just the journey with ESPN, and one of the things that both Amara and I can attest to in, in social when we give out advice to folks we always talk about being as well-rounded as possible and just being a constant learner. So yeah. with that being said, you know, coming in 2010 when Twitter wasn't necessarily as big as it is now, Instagram, obviously not there, Facebook, not 
how important and and how much do you value continual learning and how have you seen things change from a social perspective since 2010 to, to where it is now, where it's very much digital and social first? I mean, it's absurd. Like, can, can you even wrap your head? I mean, even how social has changed within the last year, like, I, I mean, specifically Facebook and what's what's currently going on with Facebook and with a lot of people dropping Facebook and, um, you know, that being uh, the primary moneymaker for businesses when it, came, when it comes to creating content. And there's so much um, we were told, like, I, I've never really, even though I, I was in college when Facebook launched, so, like, I am part of the Facebook generation, like, I never joined Facebook because um, I knew I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. And I, I, I guess I had the foresight before that, that um, we were going to be where we currently are, which is a privacy revolution that I, like I knew I just, you know, if I was really aiming to try to be a public figure, I didn't want to take a risk that someone was going to tag me in some photo that shouldn't be on the Internet. So I never joined Facebook until, you know, uh, actually I joined ESPN. Um, but like. I just, I, I think it's changing so rapidly. Um, and what I am curious about is, and what I tell young people in college and, um, and uh, you know, anyone who's looking to get into this business, I, I, like I said, like you said, uh, you need to be paying attention to what people, how people are consuming media. And because, that's what um, companies are want are wanting from young people. They they need to have that intel. What what are what are we trending towards? What's next? What is going to be the next way that people are going to be interacting with each other, and how they're going to be spending most of their viewing time? Because I don't know the answer. I mean, I think Twitter and Instagram um, and, and Snapchat to a certain extent. I mean, we've seen crazy numbers on our Sports Center on Snapchat show um so i mean that's still popular and i will tell you i'll be the i was the first one to kind of you know second guess that that was going to be um how people would consume snapchat i thought it was just like an individual uh app that you just send you know videos to and from your friends you have your stories but there's nothing like there's nothing that you really want to engage with i didn't think shows were really going to be something that people engage with on snapchat and i was so wrong um and i guess i think it's just making sure you're paying attention um and you know i like i used to uh, pride myself on being someone who was um you know really in tune with social media but i even find myself kind of slipping there you know i i've gotten really lazy with my posting um because i'm just kind of tired of trying to be witty yeah like amara how do you do it every day oh stop <laughs> it <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not joking. Like I, you know, I'm watching a game and then like, I just, you know, like there's so many other things now I need to do. Like when I was hosting NBA tonight and NBA coast to coast, like that was a little bit different. My preparation, I was looking for trends on social media so we could talk about like, so we knew what to talk about on, on our studio show. And that made more sense. But now that I'm like covering games and, and um needing to have a little more inside information, I just, I don't engage um, on Twitter as much as I used to. Like I, I am a little mad at myself, but I just like, if I'm, it's hard. Like if I'm watching a game and I like, and like say KD, you know, does something crazy. and I can't like set, like blast off a tweet as, you know, recklessly <laughs> as I used to, you know, any kind of wittiness or cleverness, like there's always like a tinge of like making fun of that player. Right. Well, you know, what's a little different. I got to go talk to that player tomorrow. Right. You know, right. it's just like, so that factors into my head when I'm sitting and I'm tweeting. And by the time I'm like, after I think about it for two seconds, it's too late. Yeah. Because the moment in Twitter has passed. So it's just, I don't know. I just think it's like really funny how much the conversation with like within social media, like has changed, you know, um, like uh, live tweeting events, I think are it's like it's just a, like a different beast. Um, and even like how we consume Instagram on like you know what's acceptable uh, video or content to post. You know, like 
it used to be, we used to treat Instagram like Snapchat and we would just like post whatever we, you know, wanted. Now you got to like think extra hard about what you post and, <laughs> you know, it's got to, it's got to, you got to make it count. I'm like, oh, I'm not stressed out about this. It's like, I don't even post anything anymore. And maybe I sound like ridiculous. It's not that big of a deal, but you know, as someone who grew up in social media, it, like professionally, like I have to think about it because it is part of my job. So, um, I don't know if I answered your question. It was another rant that I just No, <laughs> you totally did. I'm I'm not going to lie, though. I'm going to edit out the part where you said you got to think about what you post on Instagram because my fiance takes 30 minutes every time she wants to post a photo. And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. And now that you agreed with her, she's about to hype it up. And I'm not about it. So. <laughs> I mean, you're not about it. You don't want to. I mean, it's good. Your, your fiance is thinking about what she's posting. OK, I'm, just saying, like. It's you true. Want just anything out that, there. No, yeah, true. that's very. Look, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. We are in a privacy revolution. Not to get all like crazy on you guys. No, let's get some know, NSA we, theories we, in we here. We grew up in a time. Let's. Yes. No, but we we grew up in a time where it's just acceptable to just put anything on the right. internet. Okay, for everyone to consume. Yeah. But like now we're in a t now we're trying now we're in a place where like we start looking back and we're like oh. So that lives forever, y'all? Like, ever, ever? Shut I up. think you, you see Chad. that, like... Shout out to Chad. <laughs> you see that, you know, just with, like, when Villanova won the title, and immediately that, that kid's tweets were pulled up from, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. No, you know? Right. Like, exactly. immediately. So it's, exactly. it's crazy. Well, I mean... It's real, and you know what? And it should be. We 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 should have consequences yeah, for our behavior. Absolutely. You know, just because you're just because, and and that's the thing. It's just because we're behind our computers, um, you know, or our phones doesn't mean like uh, human decency and common courtesy shouldn't play. Like we always talk about, like you know, people. You wouldn't say um, some of the the stuff you say on on twitter like if you were trapped to that same person in an elevator oh, you never. know like you get so mad you get so mad at like um you know damian lillard for missing the three if you were in an elevator with him would you be like <laughs> well f you man <laughs> like i can't believe you missed that three like no you wouldn't so it's just like maybe i'm just i'm thinking it's just i'm hoping that you know we're just gaining a little bit more um, understanding that it's you're not invincible on social media, and so you should you should you should protect your word and um, you know at, like realize that there are consequences. And I now sound like I'm 50 <laughs> years old, and I'm getting sad. No, it's <laughs> true. It is so true. Basically, um, what Cassidy is trying to say is stop using your egg Abby Twitters and hating on players. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Preach. <laughs> Show your face. <laughs> um, Cassidy, do you want to talk about I'm I'm really curious because speaking of how social media has evolved, like you have a show that's literally streaming on the internet, which is crazy. So can you tell us like how that started, um, how you guys got put together, like a powerhouse of uh social social media influencers? Just give us a backstory on that. Well, um, first and foremost, uh, Buckets is, is, is World Wide Wob and, uh, and Rob Perez. He, he, um, I became just like I was, uh, you know, we became friends because I was a fan of you on, on, on social, Mara. I, I became a huge fan of Wob, um, and, or Rob. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he, we kind of like, did the uh sliding the dms like friend style social media <laughs> style um where he you know we started engaging with each other about um like his potential work and he want, he asked me if i could come on his uh bucket show that he was doing season one of last year and i actually hadn't watched it i, I mean i followed him i was a fan of his tweets which by the way this man is like a mini genius like what he does on a nightly basis yeah. like Sure, he produces this show, but he produces his own basic Twitter show on a night-to-night -night basis, watches every single game, and he's doing it with, like, an iPhone 5S, just, like, shooting. Really? What? We house. need to get this yes. man a new like, phone. Like, he doesn't even have a 10. I know. <laughs> so, 
so that's even Hulk? more impressive. I, this man's like, he's, you know, limited resources. I am shook. <laughs> I am so shook. Oh, he's going to hate me. He's going to hate Yo, me. Yo, that is um, crazy. Verizon. Like, shout out Verizon. Yes. Let's get him a phone. <laughs> just get him. I mean, so anyways, he's just, he, I mean, it's just incredible what he does on a night-to-night basis. And he just, what, like, I think, you know, I was talking earlier about like appreciating people's talent. And I think what social media has done is like widen that, um, that like range of what talent is in this business. And he has this like incredible eye for, um, you know, the game. Like he sees things immediately um, uh, that like other people don't notice. And then he gets it up there and it becomes, you know, like he is so much, uh, a voice of NBA Twitter, which, um, you know, like I, I just find to be obviously no bias, the best um, sport on, on Twitter. And I, like he just he's just so positive and fun and like captures the heart of this sport. And um, so anyways, long story short, I, I, I uh, he asked me um, to come on his show last year. I hadn't watched it. And I was on it and I was like, what the hell is this show? <laughs> it's amazing. Cause it was like a, like a well-produced, like studio quality show, but he was engaging with people live on, on, like on Twitter, getting comments. Like it was not about X's and O's. It was just about basketball culture. And it was just like this, just, just this, like, I don't even know, playground. Um, of of just love and passion for the NBA, and I'm like, that was so fun, man. And and I think that's like, you know, I will always say, if you're passionate about what you do, you will never fail. And Rob is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life, and I deal with a lot of hardworking people. And it's because he just loves the game. And um, you know, so after we did that show uh, together, we kind of like developed more of a relationship because we're both in New York and um, we saw each other at Summer League because he was covering it and I was. And, you know, he was saying that he was launching Buckets 2 and they were looking for, um, you know, some female hosts. And, you know, like obviously I was with ESPN and so I was like trying to give him some suggestions for people. And then it kind of like it was around the same time when I'm like sending him some suggestions and just trying to like, you know, um, keep up with what's happening with it because I became like a fan of buckets. And, uh, then ESPN, um, engaged in a partnership with cycle at the exact same time. So then conversations started happening. They're like, Oh, maybe we can get Cassidy to be on the show. And then, you know, his boss talked to my boss and then it kind of just, they okayed it. And, um, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) And so now, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work on this show with him. But he really is the mastermind behind it. He cre- comes up with all of the creative. He, um, you know, he, like he was the one who was who set up the interview with KD. I mean, he, like it, it's um, he he really is the heart and soul of it. And I'm just so you know uh, happy to be along there for the ride because he he teaches me things about the league, um, and I do the same with him because we come from we cover the league in such different ways currently. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just really a fun show to work on. And we're, we're so excited because we had, you know, we'd been doing these pre-produced shows, um, you know, at the beginning of the year. And then, boom, we now have our first live show, um, which was like an awesome, um, you know, kickoff to uh, this, this, you know, run into the, to the playoffs. And we're going to be basically doing live shows, uh, you know, every week. Um, wow. from this point forward and it, you know it's really fun to engage with fans uh, live um, on the show while also kind of like continuing to hold that quality of production um, and creative that um, Rob has you know um, been spearheading since you know he launched the show that's amazing I cannot lie Rob was the inspiration we behind so many of my tweets with the Kings. Like, <laughs> if you ask me who were the two accounts that I would gain inspiration from, it was Wob and it was Bleacher Report. And yeah. the fact that this man has been doing it, <laughs> taking videos of his TV off of 5S and taking a fire <laughs> captions. I mean, he may I'm have so a crazy. stick. He may have a stick. He may have a stick. But I'm nah, nah, nah. He's a, he's a 5S. <laughs> nah, we're putting it mind? out there. That he's a 5S. 
I'm quoting you, Cassidy. Yeah. No, no, he does it by himself. <laughs> Nobody helps him. Nobody helps him. He does it That's all amazing. by himself. So, I mean, like, he, For sure. yeah, he is the true definition of a social media influencer. And, um, no, it's, it's really fun. It's been, it's been a fun show. Hope you guys, you know, um, can catch it, you know, as we continue through it. the playoffs. It's, it's just like a unique, um, you know, way to, uh, engage with, you know, NBA fans. And we're excited. We're excited to be, be doing it. Awesome. Folks, if y'all haven't watched Buckets, Please catch Cassidy and Lob on it. It's a great show. Cassidy, we don't want to take too much more of your time, but we have a couple of final questions for you. Um, one of which being, what's some of the best advice that you would provide to, to folks that are trying to get into sports, whether it's social or broadcasting, whatever it may be, what's some of the best advice you could share for those folks? I mean, I got, I've said it a couple of times, I think, through through this podcast. I mean, I like... I, I don't mean for it to be like my motto, but it's just about staying present in so many different ways. Um, you know, I, like when I used to host Sports Center, um, I think, you know, one of my biggest problems was um, I would uh, be thinking, you know, five steps ahead. And so in the moment I would stumble over words or I would, you know, miss something that was said during an interview and not ask the right follow-up question because, you know, I, I, I wasn't staying in the moment. I was, you know, and I think, again, that goes with reps. But um, so like on a, 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 a micro level, staying, staying present only helps you become a better um, professional. But on a macro level, staying present, um, and un- it, it, back to what we were talking about is understanding how this business is changing um and it's not something that should scare people uh away from this business if anything it should excite people that there are going to be a lot of new opportunities um that you know young people can can you know latch on to um if they if they if they inform themselves if they engage with it and uh you know they can help kind of expand this world a little bit more. Um, so I, you know, I just say to be present uh, is my best advice to anyone trying to make it in this business because, um, you know, it'll pass you by uh, if, if you're not living in the moment. For sure. I have a question. What is your like mm-hmm. best memory or favorite interview or just the moment that just stands out um, in your career so far? Hmm. Um, Gosh, it's been so many, um, you know, great, fun moments. I, you know, I, I still hold, I, I, I'll say it this way. Like, I've had a lot of great interviews that, you know, like I've been, been the fact that I've been able to interview LeBron James like six times this year and, you know, my appreciation and respect for him as, um, as uh, just the great that he is um, has been, you know, like that will stay with me for the rest of my life because I'm, I'm witnessing history. Um, but I, I will, I will say like one of my best, like what, what, one of my best memories of my early career was like when I um, was asked to host baseball tonight um, about like, I don't know, it was like four years ago. And I will readily admit, like, I'm a big Cubs fan. I went to, like, at least 20 Cubs games a a summer. But, like, I didn't really know baseball that well. You know, baseball is a very intricate sport. It's a lot of of history. It's a lot about situations, a lot about numbers. And, you know, it's it's a little bit – it's a hard um, sport to be accepted into. And and so I was was really, really nervous about – hosting that show and internally it's it, it was um you know thought of as the hardest show to work on at ESPN because there's no rundown there's no real you're, you're, there's no scripts you're kind of just you know out there vulnerable and so I was nervous about it and it was you know like you, if I could do that show it, like the format of that show covering the NBA because I just I, I know the NBA through and through and I have passion for it um, and I just didn't, you know, I was nervous because I knew my limitations with, 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 uh, baseball, but 
I'm proud of the fact that I, you know, studied my butt off. I, you know, talked to as many people as I could to get, get a better understanding of the game. And, you know, over the summer, I, I felt like I earned the respect of my colleagues and in, in, in like within baseball tonight. And, you know, I look back on that time, like, I'm not saying I was Carl Ravage out there, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'll look back in that time and be like, man, I did that. I did that as to not only survive, but I think I did okay. So to me, like, I still think of that time as like, that's probably one of my proudest moments within my career. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. All right, final one here. Appreciate you you staying through it the whole time. Uh, last one that we have are, what are your favorite NBA team accounts to follow? You don't no got to say either of ours. We might be hurt, but you know, we're not, you know. No, it's, no <laughs> but for real, like, out of NBA team accounts, and I don't know how closely you follow, if so, what are some of your favorites? NBA team, I mean, Greg Sleeves and Tampa Wall. Let's okay, go. Let's get that out. <laughs> Let's go. See? Um, I don't really know other than I mean, really, the Grizzlies. I just pay specific attention because oh, girl, that's family. That's family <laughs> tweeting that. Um, but like, uh, I don't know. I mean, the Blazers are pretty darn good. They They're are kind of yeah. funny. Um, uh, Although I just we just hired I just hired a former Blazers tweeter who was in charge for the last couple of years. So now that humor is on the Timberwolves side. He just got hired two weeks ago so damn you guys already out. made the playoffs yes oh damn <laughs> we're, we're trying we're winning. trying winning um yeah i think you know i'm i'm, I'm striking out here i think I sixers think I just, are up there oh yeah, sixers oh, yeah, are I, good. yeah i just you know what they all kind of run together right? that's horrible for me to say to y'all it's really the grizzlies i'm sorry let's <laughs> go that's all Damn! <laughs> because hey. that's the only I can put. Man, I, you know forget this is? podcast. I can put a face to it. You know, I'm like, oh, that's my girl. She's funny. Nah, She's I'm ready. hurt, Cassie. There's no, there's no excuse. Cassie. I'm hurt. I'm real hurt right now. <laughs> no, but now I'm see. Now I'm going to be paying attention to the Timberwolves and be like, okay, there we go. Got you. <laughs> Retweet. Retweet. All right. Hopefully, you get to stop by during the playoffs. I'm about to knock on Hella Wood right now. 